This is the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast, hosted by Justin Poulin. Tune in every month as we speak with industry experts to highlight success stories and solutions from the field that advance the healthcare supply chain. And now, Justin Poulin with this month's expert. Welcome to the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast Series. I'm your host, Justin Poulin, and joining me now is Bill Brewer, Vice President of Procurement and Supply Chain Optimization at Advocate Health. And we're going to be talking about, well, it's sustainability, but really specifically on the topic of indirect emissions. And so if you're not familiar with that topic, you've come to the right podcast. We want you to become more familiar with it. Bill, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Justin. Thank you for the opportunity. So, Bill, why don't you just introduce yourself to everybody out there, too? I know you're heavily involved with ARM, and so there's a chance our listeners are familiar with you. But for those who aren't, talk a little bit about your background and your involvement with ARM. Yeah, absolutely. So, supply chain guy through and through, and it's kind of scary to say I've been doing this for 20-plus years, but worked for about four different large healthcare systems and also spent some time working in the technology space. But The common thread through all of that was always working in healthcare supply chain. I sort of serendipitously fell there early in my career, and I've never looked back. So it's a great honor to be here with you today and and absolutely love the connection with ARM, do a lot of work with them, and and really appreciate the presence they have in the industry and and really championing the work of healthcare supply chain. I think it's funny the way you describe that. I mean, so many people kind of fall into it, but I like the serendipity to it. That's a really great way to put it. Because that is, that's a background for so many different people. And I think one of the things that maybe surprises supply chain professionals early on is just how diverse your knowledge base has to be, which is why podcasts like this, I think, can be so helpful because I'm sure people out there have heard about sustainability and they understand the concept. And it's even broadened out a little bit just in the wake of the pandemic. Sustainability means a lot more than it used to for so many reasons, but we're going to stay anchored on environmental sustainability. We'll drill down to indirect emissions. But before we get there, why don't you just talk about your your whole viewpoint and maybe even how it's evolved over the years as it relates to environmental sustainability? Yeah, it's a great way to lead off, Justin. And let me take this from a couple different lenses. So first off, you know, personally, you know, I think this has always been a point of passion for me and Certainly, I, I believe that we as sort of humans living on this planet have a an obligation to make sure that we're doing everything we can to sustain this planet for future generations. But, you know, it was only about two years ago when I joined Advocate and my boss at the time tapped me and said, hey, how do you feel about leading sustainability? Now, keep in mind, that was two years ago, right? So we were coming out of the pandemic. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, are we talking environmental sustainability? Are we talking like resilience? What exactly does this mean? Well, it came to mean environmental sustainability. And again, aside from sort of that personal knowledge I had accumulated over time about the things that all of us know about, it was really a new frontier to me, right? Like, so I knew healthcare, I knew supply chain, but really understanding how we can impact that and we'll get to indirect emissions, as you mentioned here in a little bit, was a whole new frontier. And I've really come to appreciate, you know, kind of what we saw through the pandemic. And so through the pandemic, you know, it really brought to light kind of some of the impact of, you know, health disparities and how that impacts the communities and populations that we serve and and those all around the world. And we really saw how, you know, certain populations were disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. And that all really trickles through all the social determinants of health. Right. So 
you know, socioeconomic status, and then certainly environmental sustainability has a play there. And so, you know, for me and for many of the leaders in our organization, we sort of believe it's, you know, an obligation, if not a moral obligation, to make sure that we are doing everything we can as an organization to not just look out, you know, for ourselves and, and the places that we serve, but really the populations and the communities and the patients that we take care of. Because it's really a recognition, Justin, that, you know, it's like maybe it sounds a little cliche, but again, the pandemic made this so clear is that this is about taking care of the health of the populations that we serve. And so we can't look past this. And, and that's kind of my ethos and, and why I'm so passionate about this. And again, for anybody that's like listening to this is like, I, I don't know how to look. I didn't know anything two years ago, right? Like we've done everything we can to sort of dive in and understand that. So don't let it be some scary frontier or at least push through that. Yeah. I love how you put that into context, your own timeline. I think that's really important because if you're committed to learning about it, the other thing that you said is we want our communities to thrive. And it's a well-known fact that healthcare organizations are often the largest employer in their community. So you're also, when you talk about taking care of the community, in many cases, you're talking about taking care of a pretty good percentage of your own employees that make up that, that community as well. Or maybe they're a contracted supplier who is providing a significant amount of the services in the hospital. So I think you're right. You know, that approach of looking at it about taking care of the community and the people that, you know, we basically work and uh, live our lives around every day really does change how you would look at this. Let's talk about indirect admissions and maybe you can even put it into context for me. I'm sure that's one component in a larger component that is even larger umbrella of environmental sustainability as a as a topic, right? So get us drilled down a little bit and define that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I won't get too nerdy here on all the nomenclature because, again, this is all kind of new to me as well. But, you know, when we think about greenhouse gas emissions, and this is not specific to healthcare or specific to supply chains, it's sort of a universal approach. We tend to think about it in terms of three scopes, scope one, scope two, and scope three. And really, when we talk about indirect, we're focused on that scope three. We'll get to that in just a moment. But real quick, just for anyone, you know, interested, scope one is really like those emissions that you directly create from the purchase of vehicles and things like that. So think about our fleet of cars that are running around delivering supplies, picking up lab samples. We have to buy fuel to put in those vehicles that creates emissions. So that's kind of our scope one. Scope two is all the electricity that we buy, steam, water, all that type of stuff. And so those two taken together, if you look at most organizations, including our own, we've had people working on that for years, right? So we've been looking at how do we transition to hybrid vehicles? How do we infuse EV vehicles? How do we make investments in solar, wind? How do we green the grid with our power companies and so forth? But this other bucket that we call scope three, which is this big nebulous bucket of all the indirect admissions that arise from purchased goods and services. So everything that we buy, well, it it takes something to get those products to us, right? People have to manufacture it. They have to deliver it. And then there's other things that fall into that bucket, like business travel, employee commuting, all sorts of other things. But I say that's kind of the, the difficult nut to crack. And where a lot of organizations just are having to spend a lot of time is figuring out it's not about what we directly can do, but it's about how we have to influence, in our case, suppliers to make a meaningful impact on that. It's so interesting because you and I talked ahead of time and you described this to me, but I actually understand it even better just hearing it a second time around. And I almost look at that 
each scope is how many degrees of separation you have from the actual creation of the emissions themselves. And, and so I think you make a really great point. It's like, okay, obviously we can create a lot of emissions, you know, running our hospitals and doing business the way, you know, like you said, a fleet of vehicles and, you know, being able to transport lab and and all of those things that go into it. But if you actually look at the impact on the environment and you start to consider how broad the reach is when it comes down to the suppliers that you're contracting with, that is actually, you have an opportunity to impact the environment in a much larger way when you start looking at that indirect emissions category. Do you see it that way? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and just I can actually, you know, because I guess I'm a bit of a nerd around this stuff these days, but I can throw some numbers at you, right? So like, when we think about scope three, and, and I've worked with a number of organizations, healthcare organizations that have measured their scope three, it's anywhere from 60 to 80% of their entire greenhouse gas emissions. So it's a big number. Now, you know, that can include all those other buckets that I talked about, but it is a, it is a big nut to, to sort of figure out. Wow. So how do you view the supply chain professionals role as, you know, potentially a climate change agent? I know you'd like to see everybody viewing themselves as a climate change agent, but I'm sure there are people who are listening that are thinking, Oh, I'm not, I'm not that. That's not what I do. So how can you help kind of define that? the role and how they play a part? Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of things. And, and I think, you know, what I would convey is a little bit of the evolution that I've gone through over the last two years, right? And sort of coming into this role, it's very easy to sort of, as a supply chain professional, to begin to set some pretty aggressive targets with our suppliers, right? And so we won't go into all of that today, but you could begin to say, hey, look, supplier, you're going to do X, you're going to do Y if we're going to purchase products from you and so on. And if you actually take the time to step back and have conversations with those suppliers, what you come to realize is we're all on this journey together, right? So I told the story a little bit ago of how, you know, two years in, I'm sort of still trying to figure this out. I interact on a daily basis with other healthcare organizations on this same journey. And so what we've learned is it's a lot about working together and trying to figure out how we together can impact that. And so when you ask you know, what's the role of supply chain professionals? Look, we got to be aware of what we're buying. We need to make sure we're putting in place the policies, procedures, and everything to make sure that we're making the right decisions about environmentally sustainable products. But ultimately, the way that we're going to do this, Justin, is like, we have to come together as a community of supply chain professionals and solve for that. And I have the great honor of sitting on about six or eight different industry groups that are doing that. Some of us are trying to figure out the right way to quantify these scope three emissions and others are like actually trying to figure out like how do we come together and actually impact things like delivery schedules, packaging, like some of these simple things to sort of begin to make an impact on our emissions. And so I think that's really the story to tell right now in the role of supply chain professionals is you've got to lean in, right? You've got to lean in with your suppliers and your partners, and we've got to lean in as a community. Arm has been a great forum to do that for us to work together on solving this really big challenge that we face. I like how you sort of described how you evolved over the two years and sort of figured out strategies that are going to be impactful. And I think as we wrap up in a couple of minutes, I'd love to have you highlight some of those. But also, I think measurement is an important part too. And I think that can be somewhat daunting. And I can imagine it's even more daunting when you're talking about scope three and you're being removed 
you know, several degrees from the actual source of the emissions. So, you know, what, what are some ways to set somebody's listening now? They want to become more involved. Maybe they've dabbled a little bit and started to think about it. And they're like, I'm just having a hard time figuring out how I'm going to measure that what we're doing is really doing is having a positive effect. How do you coach people along, you know, for that need? Yeah, it's a great question, Justin. You know, I think one of the simple ways to get there is, I shouldn't say simple because it's not simple by any means, but one of the standard ways to get there is to do a greenhouse gas emissions inventory. And that includes all those three buckets that I talked about. Now, here's here's the secret of that. I can pretty much guarantee any healthcare system that goes through that exercise, while their total aggregate number is going to vary health system to health system, the breakdown of scope one, scope two, scope three, and then the part of scope three that is directly tied to purchase goods and services is basically going to look the same, right? And that's not to say don't go through that exercise because I think we should, but they all tend to point us in the same directions of the same categories of products that tend to be the most intensive when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions, pharmaceuticals, implants, things like that. And so I I think it's important that we don't get so caught up on measuring what is our greenhouse gas emissions inventory? Let's figure out other things that we can do now while we continue to re- refine that methodology in terms of how we calculate and refine that number. And there's a whole nother conversation, Justin, around that. <laughs> All right, part two, we'll have you back. Part two, there we go. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, what I think has been our success and what I would encourage organizations to do is, again, back to leaning in with your suppliers. We are doing this really great pilot project with a multinational supplier right now where we identified all this kind of thermoform. It's that packaging that's inside that holds like implants in place inside packaging. There's really not a good waste stream for that, right? There's not really a good way to recycle that. And so we came together with this large multinational supplier and we said, hey, we really don't know if like there's a sustainable way to get that product out of our ORs into, you know, a consolidated reverse logistics process and then back to a potential recycler and then turn that into something that sort of begins to create a circular economy. We aren't, we aren't sure if that's economically feasible. We're not sure if it's logistically feasible, but the point is we're giving it a shot. And we both went into it eyes wide open and said, that's exactly what we're going to do. And I could list other examples such as that as well. And when we think about that and we say, well, now if we look at how we calculate scope three and let's say that's successful, is that going to show in those numbers? The answer to that is actually no. And so you say, well, then is it meaningful to do? Well, absolutely. Because what can we measure? We can measure waste reduction. We can measure diversion from landfill. So all of these other things that we know in our heart of hearts, right? Get rid of all the complexities of measurement and everything like that. The things that we know we can do that will have an impact, a positive impact on the environment, that's where we're leaning in. And so I think I told you when we we met before, I've sort of adopted this just do something. Right. Because there's so much work going on trying to figure out how you refine the methodology. Don't let like that kind of need to get the perfect way to calculate it in the way of just doing something. And again, I think if, if, you know, as we reach out to our supplier community, that's where we're finding success right now. All right. So last thing, where should you said lean in, just do something. Somebody's listening right now and they're like, yeah, but I've got to pick something. Where can I get some ideas? Can you throw out a couple of ideas or point them to, you know, where on the ARM website they might be able to get some ideas? Like, let's generate some momentum before we wrap the interview. Yep. Reprocessing is an easy one. It's one that we've been talking about as an industry for a very, very long time. 
I think many of my peers listening to this will say, ah, but we've met that with resistance and clinical by have that, have that conversation again. That is an absolute easy one to tackle. Plastic bottles, an absolutely easy one as well. Anesthetic gases, not directly related to scope three, but anesthetic gases, also a great one. And, and I would offer that both ARM and a number of other industry groups, Healthcare Without Harm and others, have a number of playbooks on how to get started. And I would really encourage that as a starting point because there's some really good ideas on some low-hanging fruit. All right, Bill. You know, I really hear your passion in this interview, and I just think it's so important for people to hear that and know how important this work is. And it's so important to you that you're really taking that charge and leading it. And I know that you're collaborating with ARM and Karen Conway, and you are working on a project. Do you want to just, before we wrap up, tell everybody a little more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Justin. So we actually just kicked off earlier this week, as a matter of the fact. In partnership with ARM, Karen and I are co-leading a healthcare learning community around sustainability. An important point here, so we've talked a lot about environmental sustainability today, but we're actually taking kind of the broader lens of sustainability to include health equity, environmental stewardship, and fiduciary and governance. And so I'm actually pretty excited. We convened about 65 industry representatives earlier this week, representing manufacturers, GPOs, providers. And really the cool thing that that ARM has in terms of structure around a learning community is, you know, we're going to bring folks together. We're going to break into various groups specific to those areas that I just mentioned and really seek to understand what is the role of supply chain as it relates to health equity, environmental stewardship, and fiduciary and, and governance. So, you know, I think it's an exciting journey for us to really dive in and understand that. And, and hopefully we'll come away and publish some papers and provide some information to the broader community about how supply chain can influence those specific areas. So it's a great opportunity. And I will say, Justin, for any of your listeners that are interested in getting involved in that, there's an open invitation to anyone that wants to join that learning community. So they certainly can reach out to ARM for more information. Excellent. Well, Bill, great work. Again, you can hear the passion, but it's also putting it into action. You certainly are doing that. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ARM Subject Matter Expert Podcast. For additional resources, visit our website at arm.org. That's A-H-R-M-M dot org. Tune in next month for another edition of the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast. Mm-hmm.